Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 196. Today's episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast is brought to you by the Positive Productivity Pod, created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success without burnout. The pod offers weekly group coaching sessions, online courses, a private member community, and tons more. To learn more about the pod and to sign up, visit PositiveProductivityPod.com. See you on the inside. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I'm so happy that you are here to join us today, and I am thrilled to welcome back our guest, Andy Molinsky. Andy and I tried recording about a month ago and only got one track, but as you know, on the Positive Productivity podcast, it's not about perfection. Andy is a professor at Brandeis University and the author of Reach and Global Dexterity. Andy, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be chatting with you again. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I, I enjoyed chatting with you the first time and I'm excited to do it again. It was awesome. Yeah. And sometimes the second recordings are really just making way and paving the way for something bigger and better. So I can't wait to see where this chat takes us. <laughs> Andy, cool. just because the listeners haven't had the the honor through my podcast, at least, of hearing who you are, would you mind giving an introduction and telling more about what you do and how you got to where you are now? Sure. I, I guess I kind of wear wear two hats. I'm a, so I'm, I'm a professor at Brandeis University in Boston, in the uh, International Business School, and also in the Psychology Department. So I have a whole academic career. I, I write, you know, academic papers, and I teach, and so on. But about, gosh, I might want to say ten years ago, maybe maybe eight years ago or so, I started to really want to try to branch out beyond, you know, just speaking to other academics and professors. And so I started uh, writing uh, for popular audiences. And I wrote my first book, Global Dexterity, about adapting and adjusting behavior across cultures. I started writing for the Harvard Business Review. I have a column at Inc.com. I write for Psychology Today. I wrote my second book, which came out this year, uh, which is called Reach, about how to uh, step outside your comfort zone in general in life, why it's hard, how we avoid it, and and what you can do about it. And I have started uh, working with individuals and in companies. And it's just been really fun to kind of stretch myself and, and try to reach a much broader audience. So I guess oh, I mentioned two hats. That That's my second hat. <laughs> How many hats do you think you wear? I think just two. <laughs> two professional ones. Okay. Yeah. That's actually what I was going to follow up with. I was going to say, Andy, there's no way you only wear two hats. I feel like some days I'm I remember there was a children's book when I was growing up, but I I'll have to find it for my kids about this guy who's I think he's trying to sell hats. I, I know I'm very descriptive audience, but I think <laughs> he ends up having like ten thousand hats on. And some days that's just what it feels like as a mom, as a business owner. But that can actually very much lead into the topic of your book, Andy, about reaching outside the comfort zone. Because I know one of the biggest things I had to do was reach out and build my team and trust team members to do the work that I was always doing. But also even just getting behind the microphone was scary as you know what. What have been some of the biggest steps that you've taken ever and in, in stepping outside of your comfort zone? And 
What type of results have you seen? I mean, I know you wrote your books. Can you provide any other examples? Sure. Yeah. No, I, I think it's it's been... Um you know, my, my whole life I've, I've noticed, I, I don't think I'm unusual in this way, but I'm, I'm definitely um, reflective about my own experience. And I always, you know, I'm always kind of curious about the challenges that I face and what I can do about it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, at every phase, I, I face that. I remember in college, I was I was really scared to participate in class. I would sit in the back of the room with my heart kind of feeling like it was beating out of my chest, my face turning red. You know, I might put up my hand for a second, but then, you know, put it back down and then the conversation would kind of go by me and I'd just get uh, frustrated that, oh, I, you know, again, it happened. I, I, I couldn't get up the courage. And, you know, that's just a little example. After college, I remember whether it was networking or uh, public speaking, I, I remember as is, I, I got a PhD. So part of the training was um, was going to conferences and speaking in public. And I remember being really nervous uh, speaking in public. And then, and then of course, teaching in front of, you know, 40, 50 people. You know, that's a real performance. Uh, it's, of course, it's educational, but it's also a performance. And that just really scared me. I, I used to write out my, my talks, my speeches, and like literally read from a piece of paper. And so that, that was like a major crutch I had. And, th- and then at some point, I decided that, you know, I was looking around and, and not a lot of people were doing that. So I said, you know what, I, I, I got to ditch these notes. And then that was outside my comfort zone. So just at every phase, you know, it's, it's something that really I've struggled with, but, but it hasn't stopped me. You know what I mean? So, so, so that's what reach is about my book. It's about, you know, how to understand what's holding you back, what your pain points are in, in any situation where, where you're considering stepping outside your comfort zone, how you might be avoiding it. And we all do, you know, and, and then we can do about it. What do you think are some of the biggest things that are holding people back from stepping outside of the comfort zone? Do you think it's, it is that fear of the unknown or do you think it's a pure comfortableness with where they are now or a mix of both or something completely different? Well, I think the fear of the unknown in, in, in the fear of something that's uncertain is, is, is a big fear for people. Oftentimes, though, it's, it's not completely unknown, right? So if you're considering, if your situation you're thinking about is networking or giving a speech or making small talk with someone you don't know and so on, it's probably not unknown. You've probably tried it or, or you have a decent idea about it, but it, but it still might be terrifying for a variety of reasons. And that's, that's what I kind of dug into in the book. And I found I found five different kind of core, I call them psychological challenges or roadblocks that people experience stepping outside their comfort zone. And, you know, these might resonate with people listening. So for example, authenticity, like I'm, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I, I, I won't um, feel like myself, uh, that this isn't me. I'll feel like an imposter doing this, you know, speaking in front of a group of people or I don't know, you know, I spoke to a lot of entrepreneurs as part of my, uh, as, as part of my research, um, you know, putting on my grown-up voice, speaking to venture capitalists, trying to trying to raise money, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, so authenticity is a big challenge. Another one is is likability, the, the worry that 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 people won't like this version of me. Remember, you're stepping outside your comfort zone. This isn't your typical way of acting. What if people hate you if you act more assertively than 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 you usually do? If you really speak your mind, for example, that that's a real worry people have. Another one is competence. What, what if you look like a fool giving a public speech or whatever it might be, or you know, you're afraid you can't do it well, and you're also afraid others can 
can see that you can't do it well. So there's like a public and a private side to that one. I also found resentment among some people. Now, logically, people get it. You know, when in Rome, act like the Romans, I guess, you know, like, you know, in a certain situation, you might know that certain behavior is required, let's say. But but maybe you feel resentful that you have to do that. You know, why, why can't you just be yourself? You know, emotionally, you're thinking, why, you know, why can't you be yourself? I, I actually talked to a lot of um, um, of introverts uh, who, who felt that and who feel that in, the, you know, the, the American workplace, for better or for worse, is, is really, you know, kind of tilted towards people who are extroverted. And what if you're not? What if it? What if it's really uncomfortable for you to, I don't know, make small talk and chit chat and schmooze with your boss and talk about last night's game uh, or whatever by the water cooler and and that's really hard for you. But then you notice that the people who can do that are the ones who are getting the assignments, the ones who are getting kind of the preferential treatment, and that's like deeply frustrating to you that you have to step outside your comfort zone. When why can't the quality of your work matter? You know, so there are a variety of these these pain points that you can experience, you know, either in anticipation of doing something or even in the moment, but often in anticipation. In in those those pain points, if there's door number one, which is, you know what, I'm gonna give this a try. And door number two is I think I'm gonna avoid this, you know, that that can push you to door number two. One of the biggest lessons that I learned from my parents growing up, and there were so many, but one of the ones that resonates with me still today was the worst, that, the worst response that you can hear back is no. So especially when I was starting the podcast and putting out inquiries to get people on the show, I kept that in my mind. The worst thing that anybody can say is no. So why wouldn't I even try? And when I started the podcast, I was so afraid of getting on stage because I thought I would trip, which is so funny because I wasn't at all concerned about forgetting my lines. And now that has totally morphed itself, I am an introvert, Andy. I might be behind the microphone every single day, but I am an introvert. So now my concern is not about tripping. It is about forgetting what I was going to say. But I think that getting used to being behind the microphone on the podcasting side, and I've shared with you, you know, there will be bloopers. I've shared with listeners the blooper reels. That was just part of me. And that wraps right up into what you were saying about being authentic. If I stumble over my words now and I'm on stage, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with it. You know, add this to the (laughs) blooper reel. (laughs) Have a laugh about it. I completely agree with you, uh, especially with, you know, some public speaking. It's it's really important to be authentic, Um, you know. For, for a variety of reasons. First of all, you'll feel more natural. You'll feel more comfortable. And in some ways, you'll be your best and most natural self. And the other thing is that you're so much more relate. Not, I mean, you you in particular, yes, but, but anyone is so much more relatable and more human when you kind of show your true self. And, and that's, that's going to be more effective in whatever you're trying to accomplish, right? If you're trying, if you're trying to accomplish, I don't know, if you're trying to move and inspire people, if you're trying to convince people, whatever your kind of goal is about whatever you're doing, you're, I, th- I think you're going to be better at achieving your goal if you're authentic. I don't remember if we talked about it the first time we were doing this or attempting to record, I should say. But I know listeners have heard me chat with other guests about it is how I've been resisting getting in front of the camera, like doing live Facebook videos or getting on YouTube. And for the longest time, it was about not wanting to show whatever kid clutter is around here, or the fact that I didn't have my hair and makeup done. 
Listeners, I'm still struggling with that. We can't do everything. Well, no, we just can't do everything in a day. I was going to say we can try, but where's the fun in that? It's just going to be a lot of stress. One of these days, though, I will turn on the camera and push record. What is your best suggestion, Andy, as far as tackling the the comfort zone or the fear of stepping outside of the comfort zone? Yeah, no, that's a. I, I love the idea of thinking through an example like that because it's it's exactly like those very like real and in small sized you know challenges that people have. It's not. It's. I'm not minimizing the challenge that 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 it is for you to do this, but it's not. We're not talking about like giving a TED talk, or we're not talking about you know I don't know um, pitching a two billion dollar business or something. We're talking about pressing record on a on a video chat or on on a Facebook live or something and that's that's a that's like the everyday challenge that so many people have so I'm glad you mentioned that what i found in, in my in my work in my research and i i talk to a lot of people and i also work one on one with people and i'm actually in the middle of um finalizing an online course my first online course helping people step outside their 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 comfort zones but what what i have found is that there're three key resources or tools or whatever you want to call them the first is conviction, that deep sense of purpose. So, in your case, why is it important for you to to do that? Why do you know why why does that matter for you to 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 go to video? Is it going to further your professional career and your professional development? Is it going to make an even more sort of intimate, positive connection, lasting human connection with your listeners? Um, and is that something that's important and meaningful for you because you care about your listeners? You care about your audience. You care about making an impact, and that this is a, a sort of an enhanced way to do that. And so that 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 despite the fact that it's hard, it's you know it's really worth it. Or maybe it's personal. Maybe maybe you want to be a role model for your kids, and and you're coaxing them to get outside their comfort zones, and you know in an age appropriate way. <laughs> and uh, this is now your challenge. And and wow, wouldn't it be cool if mom was able to, to do this? And wouldn't my kids be proud of me? And wouldn't I be a great role? model. You know, I'm not sort of forcing that on you. I'm just saying that it, it can be sometimes professional, it could so, sometimes could be personal, could be a combination, but whatever it is for, for you or for anyone listening in any situation, find that deep sense of purpose, find that conviction and use it. So, so, so that's, that's, that's a suggestion or tool number I'm one. I'm happy that you brought up the deep sense of purpose because the initial drive for me to do live videos was, quote, because everybody else is doing it. And then I realized, number one, no, not everybody else is doing it. And number two, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, that doesn't mean I would do it. So I needed to find the deeper reason. And and for me, it was it was that connection and it was being more transparent. And there may be a mess around here, but people need to know it's okay. We're not going to... Positive productivity is not about perfection. We are all perfectly imperfect. And how, how many people out there do you think also have a mess in their house? <laughs> uh, 95% of the population, I would have to think. It might just be shoved exactly. under their bed at the moment, but yeah. Well, and, and you know what they say is, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got a, a bunch of kids and, and, and you have a neat house, super, super neat house, you know, well... You know that's that's great, but 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 it's completely understandable that you that you don't because your the limited time you have is the time you're spending with your kids as opposed to cleaning. You know that I've heard that before. Maybe that's a rationalization. Oh no, that <laughs> that is totally true. But I also have the rationalization that as soon as I clean, then the tornado is just going to follow right after me. 
So, oh no, yeah. Question. So I would rather just that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole oh, other it podcast. Totally is. Right? Best use of time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Determine your ROI right there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just maybe, and maybe that is a whole another reason to start it. Talk about you know best use of time and. Forget about, uh, and that's another thing, hair and makeup. Is it really that important? No, because just like you just asked me, how much of the population, women, I'm going to say for this specific example, actually do work at home with a full face and make and hair every day? I would have to think, listeners, I would love if you would chime in at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP196 and let Andy and I know if you really do. Well, I don't know if Andy... It cares as much about this question as I do. But let me know if you do put on your hair and makeup in the morning every day before you be- begin work. I'm just curious. Well, I have a, I have a daughter and a wife, so <laughs> I'm, I'm at least familiar, yep. you know. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I, I do understand, you know, but that's also about stepping outside the comfort zone. I remember when I was working in my last corporate job. You already brought up Andy about introverts in the work in the workplace. I swear that the open office plan was created purely for extroverts. It is there's nothing more uncomfortable for me than be sitting in an open office plan, low walls. I can see the person across from me. Anytime I look up, I can hear every single phone conversation. Talk about uncomfortable. But I remember the first mm, time I ever walked in without makeup on, just because I didn't feel like wearing makeup to work that day. And a lot of people won't do that because they feel like they, a lot of women feel like they have to have their quote face on, but it's not really their face. I know I'm getting into a whole nother deep conversation there. No, but this, this actually kind of goes to my point number two. It's an actually a good segue like the, so, so, so I talked about um, conviction. The second kind of tool that I found was what I call customization. And this was, this was really powerful. You know, I, I imagine a lot of people out there, you know, where, where I'm, from here in Boston, Massachusetts, we we have a lot of Dunkin' Donuts, and people go customize their coffee. You know, they get their squirt of caramel or I don't know whipped cream or whatever it is. And in this idea of customization is is everywhere. You know, making it fit just right for you. And what I found it was so interesting. I found from talking with people and from working with people that that it was very powerful that you could kind of tweak or customize your own version of stepping outside your comfort zone. So. You know, that might be the language you use. It might be props that you bring. It might be the setting you construct. It might be the timing of a situation. So in your case with with um, with, with going uh, to video, is there a time of day that suits you better? Is there a way that you can construct a, a setting or a particular spot at home that works best for you? Is there a simple way that you can sort of, I don't know, show a little bit of the clutter, as you said, because maybe there actually is some benefit to showing a little of the clutter because because it humanizes the situation. But at the same time, you know, is there a spot you can construct for yourself where you'll feel, I don't know, whatever it is for you that most, most, most comfortable, most confident, you know, physically, like I know someone who does a lot of video and he creates, I think he has like, he's, he must have, I've never been to his, his apartment or his house or wherever he lives, but I see that he's got like a, he's got like a gray screen that he has behind him. And, and, you know, who knows what's behind the screen, but he has this 
this gray screen and, and, and all you see is that gray screen and he's got some lights and I, you know, he has these lights that you use for photography. You've probably seen like white lights and sort of those, those um, lights on the corner. If you've ever seen like a, a, a professional photo shoot and, and he clearly has those cause I can see cause the lighting's fantastic. But you know what, when I was constructing my online course, I, I looked into this, those lights are not expensive. You can find those on Amazon for not like that much money. Yeah. And, and you can get you can get a couple of lights, construct a little situ- a little scene, or maybe that doesn't matter to you. For for instance, for me that that doesn't really matter. I'm I do a video. I have a video um, uh, podcast. I don't know if it's a podcast, a video cast where I interview kind of thought leaders uh, and so on on video, and I just kind of do it wherever. But but for other people, it's it's quite quite important. But my point here is that you can customize. Like you, you, sometimes you feel powerless in a situation outside your comfort zone, but you, you have more power than you think to kind of tweak it to make it work for you. I'll just tell you one quick story of, about this, not, a, not about um, your situation, but someone who read my book, Reach, um, emailed me and said, you know, I love that idea of customization because it, it, you know, it helped me so much. She was afraid of, she was an introvert and, and, and actually quite shy uh, and had a hard time making small talk at, at social kind of gatherings and get togethers. And, and she had this epiphany um, after reading the section of my book on customization that what if she brought a prop uh, to, to, to social, you know, get togethers. And, and in this case, her prop was a, a selfie stick. And what if that actually helped her make conversation? And, and it was amazing. She said she, she had the selfie stick and people would ask her what it was. And all of a sudden, by the way, you're, you're noticing that that's more conversation than she had before. She would say, Oh, it's a selfie stick. They'd say, Oh, cool. How does that work? Cause you know, most people have heard of a selfie stick, but they maybe don't know what it looks like or how to use it. She would then say, Oh yeah, let me see your, let me see your cell phone. And, and then all, all, all of a sudden they're having this interaction. They're engaging, they're taking a photo, maybe even sharing email and so on. And so it totally changed her experience. And that's just one little example. I love that. I remember chatting about this the first time around and, and thinking how awesome that was, but I never, I had to think about a prop. Andy, are you an introvert or an extrovert? I think, you know, it's interesting. I always thought I was more extroverted, but I think I'm, I've taken various personality tests just for fun. And I'm, I usually come out right in the middle, actually, um, you know, right in the middle. And I, and I think that's probably true. Um, you know, I'm so, somewhere, somewhere in the middle. If you were going to a networking event tonight, do you have a prop you would take? Um, so it's different for me. Like, you know, it, I, I guess it would depend on the context, you know, when it depends on your stage in the, in, in your career. When I was much younger, I was terrified, but now I'm, you know, much more kind of, I guess in my, in my role or whatever, more senior. So it's, it's not as uncomfortable for me, but if, gosh, if I were to bring a prop to a networking event, I'm not sure. I, I used to, I'll, I'll tell you another one. I used to bring, when I did public speaking, and I was very uncomfortable much earlier in my career, I, I would wear a special ring. I, I might have told you about this the first time, I forget. It was a it was a ring that, the, the stone in the ring was a, was a stone that my great uncle uh, had found uh, in World War II on the beaches of the South Pacific when he was in the Navy. And he had it made into a ring. And it's a cool ring. And, and I always admired it. And eventually I inherited it. And, and it always kind of meant courage to me because of how he, he acquired the stone. And, and I would wear that ring 
um, when I went to do public speaking early on, every single time I would wear it uh, because it sort of had that little teeny boost of courage for me. I mean, it didn't like massively transform my experience, but it it was like a little secret that I had and a little feeling I had when I looked at it. And that sh- that little boost helped me. So th- that's an example. That's a prop. I love that. Actually, you just you just helped me with my prop. Thank you. But I've had this little fish coin for about the last seven years. It it is directly related to my faith, but on the back it says, "Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord." Jeremiah seventeen seven, and I carried it around for probably the first year that I had it everywhere I went. And let me tell you, listeners, things in my house that are small like this do not usually last the test of time. I mean, my wedding band and my engagement ring are on my finger because I don't take them off. But if I did take them off, I can guarantee you that two little girls would quickly find a new home for them. So the fact that I actually still have this coin, and I I was actually just looking at it yesterday, and just having that in my hand, if I was up on stage, it, I, I know it would give me that little boost of confidence, you know? Yeah. There Thank you go. You. I have one last question for you. Let's say you were 14, a freshman in high school. Again, I know, very difficult time for a lot of us. But you had the opportunity to speak to a whole bunch of shy kids. Is there any one specific piece of advice that you would give them? I, you know, gosh, it's a really hard question. You know, I, I want, I would want a fourteen-year-old to to try to to try to learn to be comfortable in their own skin. You know, that that I think is a really important thing for for teenagers, and it's also a really hard thing. <laughs> you know, um, and I don't know. I have a thirteen-year-old, so I, I don't I don't know what my piece of advice would be. I'll tell you what my piece of advice to parents would be, though, would be to really get to know your kid, uh, to try to really understand your kid and to try to not, you know, impose your own your own wishes, your own dreams, your own preferences on your kid, but really get to know to get to know that kid and, and, and hopefully have your kid know that you're trying to get to know them. And I, I think that that that's kind of the key leverage point, I think, as opposed to just the, I don't think they'd listen to me anyways, if I went over and talked to a bunch of 14 year olds. Andy, I love that. <laughs> and I've seen all the difference there, actually, with just my own kids, getting to know them, and they can talk to me about anything. And I do see how it has impacted Maybe not impacted, but I, I can see the difference in how they act in school versus how I acted or how their dad acted. I sometimes wonder how they can be my kids. <laughs> <laughs> they, your kids do surprise Constantly. you, don't they? If, if they were here every second, yeah. they would be surprising me every second. Andy, this has been an awesome chat, encore chat for the two of us. And I'm so thankful that you came back and gave it another shot with my technology issues. So thank you. <laughs> I, I, I Thanks for having me back. I really enjoyed it the first time and I did this time. And, you know, it was re- really, really fun to, fun thank to connect you. with you. Can you share with listeners where they can find you online and connect and get to know more about you? Sure. Yeah. I have a, so I have a website. Uh, it's www.andymolinsky.com. A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And I've got lots of, you know, articles. And so I, I write, as I mentioned before, for the Harvard Business Review and, 
Psychology Today and Inc.com. And I've got all sorts of free articles and videos and quizzes and all sorts of stuff on there. It, it was kind of the website that I, I, I kind of built it to be the kind of place I would want to visit. <laughs> so, you know, all my social is there too, like, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and my email as well. So I'd love to, I'd love to hear from people. And I also have a newsletter that I, that I put out and I try to put some of my very best stuff in there and, you know, feel free to, to sign up and, and yeah, I love to connect with people. Talk about stepping outside the comfort zone. I wasn't planning on keeping on going, but I love how you said, you know, you're building the website that you would want to go to. Yeah. That's something that a lot of people don't because they're looking at everything else. Well, and circling back to what I said earlier, they build a site because it's what everybody else is building and they model the example. Listeners, do what resonates with you and what you would want to visit. And I guarantee, and I'm sure Andy feels the same way, that there will be other people who resonate resonate with it just that much more. Absolutely. Andy, do you have a last piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners before we wrap this up? I, you know, I think about comfort zone, stepping outside your comfort zone. It's not rocket science. It's also not as easy as just saying, oh yeah, I'm going to take the leap, right? I, it, it, we, all, we all know that, but it's not rocket science either. And, and that's why I wrote this book. And that's why I do the work I do to try to give people a real sensible uh, evidence-based, in other words, from research, but sensible roadmap for, for, for you know, developing the, the courage and capacity to do it. So that, that would be my parting, parting advice. 